Someone said one time, or probably said it multiple times, that you can see the measure of a person by the seriousness of the things that provoke him. And how true that is, because I think that we see uh, a lot about a person, or we can learn a lot about a person by the things that provoke him, the things that upset him. And the book of 1 Corinthians is some things that we see that I think upset an apostle. They were sins that upset an apostle. And I've been kicking around the idea of on Sunday evening going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and I may do that beginning at the first of the year. I'm not sure yet, uh, but well, you may do that. But I thought this would be a good preview as to what we will be looking at or some of the things that we will be looking at. Because even though they upset the apostle Paul, his response to those sins, the things that he instructed them to do, and the things that he said was given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he was still being guided by the Word of God, by God's Spirit, to say the things that he said in answer to the problems that existed at the church at Corinth. And so tonight I would like to look at a few of those problems very briefly as we go through this lesson. And so if you have your Bible, look at 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, beginning in verse 10. There we find one of the problems that existed in the church at Corinth. Beginning in verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same things, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Paul here is addressing a few problems. For one, they all should have been speaking the same thing. As God's people, we need to understand that God's Word, we can understand it, and we all should be teaching it the same way, teaching it the, or saying the same thing. We shouldn't have all the denominationalism that's out there in the world today, different churches saying different things. Even among God's people, I think that you can see different beliefs that are contrary to some of the things that the Bible teaches. And Paul is condemning that because if we went back to the prayer that Jesus had in the garden, we realize that Jesus prayed for unity. Why? So that the world would know that we are one. So that the world would see that there's something different about us. And I think that that leads to the confusion in the religious world today and those that are outside of the religious world, those that are in the world that want to try to find the truth, sometimes very difficult when there's so many choices that are out there for people to choose. And I believe that the devil has done that on purpose. He's flooded the market with the different options that people can have. And really, there is no options. There's only one option that God gives, and that's His Word. And we have to follow that Word. And so in this passage of Scripture that we just read, we can see one of the things that Paul is condemning, not only that their lack of unity, but they were following people, following preachers, following leaders. And of course, the Bible teaches us that we are to obey the elders and we're to do those kind of things. But here is something different. One is saying that they are a follower of Paul, another Apollos, other Cephas, and that's just something that Paul condemned, and that's not something that should take place in the church. We are to follow Christ. We are to follow His message, His doctrine. And when we get outside of that doctrine, we're in a lost condition. 
And so it is very important that we follow Christ. And that's what Paul brings them back to. That point, that focus, that they needed to realize that it was Christ that was crucified for them. But yet today we hear people and see people that follow preachers wherever they go. They'll listen to whatever they have to say, even sometimes when what they're teaching is false. What they're saying is wrong. And yet people will continue to follow them because they like them. And sure, there are some preachers that are more dynamic, better speakers than other preachers. But as I tell people, the point is, what's the message? What's the message that they're bringing forth? The Bible kindly tells us that Paul wasn't an eloquent speaker. But yet the message that he had was from God. And that's what we need to understand. It's not the messenger that's important. It's the message that's important. And so someone may not be able to do it in a dynamic way that draws a lot of attention from people, but yet if it's the truth, we should want to hear that message. And so that's what Paul is condemning. And that's one of the things if we go through this series of lessons that we will look at and we'll understand that God isn't divided. The church isn't divided. That even though there are many in the denominational world that say all of these different denominations make up the body of Christ, that's not what the Bible teaches. And that may sound closed-minded, but that is what Paul is saying here. Was Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? None of those were the case. Christ died for us. Christ is not divided. And it's Christ that we need to be following today. Not preachers, not elders, not someone that we like, but listening to what the Word of God tells us. Second point I want to make is that Paul got upset because people were ignoring God's Word instead of receiving it as a divine revelation that he had been given and others had been given that it was a divine revelation from God. You look over in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, beginning in verse 11, it says, And for what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There we see that Paul is showing us that God revealed through the apostles and through those that had the, the, the gift of prophecy, that God revealed His will, His Word. And people needed to accept that Word. And He had given them the things that He had been taught, the things that He had learned, the things that He had heard through the Spirit, and that Spirit was revealing God's will, not man's will. And that's a lot of the problem that we see today also. One of the problems that we have in following man is that we would rather listen to man's will as opposed to God's will. And many times you can hear a doctrine that is taught. Not said once saved, always saved. Sounds like a wonderful doctrine. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that once we're saved, we can be in a lost condition again. That we can fall away from God. And he gives a picture of a sow that's been washed going back to wallowing in the mire and a dog that's returned to the vomit. 
And so we see that picture and it's showing us that we can fall from grace. And so we don't want to follow man. We want to follow Christ. And we want to accept the Word of God as the Word of God. And that's what Paul is trying to present to these individuals. Trying to help them to understand that God has revealed His will through His Holy Spirit. And in chapter 14 and verse 37... He goes on to he goes on and he says there if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord but if any man be ignorant let him be ignorant what is he saying he's saying that the spirit of God is going to give the same message to everyone at that particular time and you have to remember they didn't have the new testament like we have those spiritual gifts are gone they don't, they're not available today. We have the written Word, and so those things were done away with. But at that particular time, different people had that ability to present the Word of God. And they all were speaking, or should have been speaking, the same thing, and they would be speaking the same thing if they were speaking from the true Spirit. And so Paul is, uh, is saying that everyone, again, should be speaking the same things, which gets back to chapter 1, where their first problem came into existence. That they were divided. That they weren't speaking the same things. And so Paul is telling them that they need to listen to the Word of God and accept it as the Word of God. I think we have that problem in our world today. The Bible is there. It's been given to us. And we need to understand that it is the Word of God. And yet people today don't want to accept the Word of God. They want to look at it as some man's creation, something that man came up with, as opposed to it being the revealed Word of God. And many times when you show people what the Bible says, when they have a question, sometimes they don't like that answer. Sometimes they'll say that you're narrow-minded. They'll say that you're a legalist. I had someone tell me one time that I worship the Bible as opposed to worshiping God. Well, the Bible reveals to me who God is and why I need to worship Him. And so without God's Word, I would not know who God is. I would not know that Jesus came to this earth and the reason that He came to this earth so that you and I could have the forgiveness of sin. I wouldn't know any of those things. I wouldn't know what I need to do in order to be saved. And I wouldn't know what I need to do in order to worship God acceptably without the Word of God. And how would I live my life in service to Him? How would I be found faithful if I did not even know what the standard is that I'm going to be judged by? So God has given us His Word, and we need to understand that. And the world may choose to be ignorant, but as the Scripture says, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. It's his choice. But God has revealed His Word to us. And chapter 3 is another problem, which you may not like the term that I used here, but Paul is addressing spiritual or carnal, carnal, worldly crybabies. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, beginning in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for here hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Paul is saying here, listen, as Christians you need to grow up. As Christians, you need to mature. 
As Christians, you need to be able to feast upon that meat of God's Word. You shouldn't continually be fed milk from God's Word. But God expects us to grow. And Paul is saying the church here in Corinth needed to grow up. And how did he know that they were still worldly? Well, he says, he knows because there is envying and strife and division. And because of those things, they're still carnal. They're still worldly. And brethren, when we see those things in our own life, it's not because we're spiritual. It's because we're worldly. We're not what we're supposed to be. In 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter, in verse 9, Paul says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them for in samples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Again, if we're murmuring and complaining, is that a sign of spiritual maturity? You see, if there's something that needs to be done, shouldn't we get involved and fix it and then do it? Instead of just sitting around complaining about what someone else isn't doing, what are you doing? You know, as I've asked people sometimes when they say, oh, I was in the hospital or I was sick and nobody came to visit me. And I say, how many people have you visited when they were sick or they were in the hospital? Or you hear somebody say, I, I, I had this issue and nobody come to help me with it. How many times did you go help somebody with a problem that they had? Brethren, we need to understand that we're to grow and that we are to mature as Christians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul says, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him amen, unto the glory of God by us. God has promised us, He's told us what we need to do, and He expects us to grow. Just as a child comes into this world, it's a baby, and yes, it's precious, and we hold it and we cuddle it, but we expect that baby to grow. Oh, they're sweet and wonderful while they're little, but they're going to turn into a teenager. And then they're going to go from a teenager to an adult. That's part of the process of a human being, is growing. And if that process did not take place, we would go to the doctor to try to find out if there's something wrong with the, their growth uh, uh, genes or whatever, if there's something wrong that they're not growing, and if mentally they weren't developing, we would wonder what was wrong, and we would try to figure out the answer to that. Shouldn't we do the same thing spiritually? That if we're not growing, if we're not maturing as a Christian, shouldn't we have a strong desire to try to find out what's wrong with us? God wants us to grow. He doesn't expect us to be a baby. He expects us to grow up and mature as a Christian. We find another problem that Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians the 5th chapter. And that is the congregation at Corinth were tolerating continual immorality among those who were calling themselves Christians. In 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verses 9 through 13, this is what Paul said I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, 
Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then ye must needs go out of the world. Paul here is telling them, listen, I understand that in this world you're going to come in contact with these kind of people. That this sin is going to be around us. But as Christians, it shouldn't be among us. And so he goes on, Now this I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man be called a brother, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without Christ judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Paul is telling the church there that as Christians, they are all to live by that standard that God has given. That there's no room in the body of Christ for these immoral acts. And we need to understand that if they're there, then they have to be dealt with. And Paul is saying, don't have anything to do with those individuals. And why? what is the purpose of that? If you read the entire chapter of, uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you would see that Paul says, deliver them to Satan. That individual that had his father's wife, the congregation was puffed up. The people outside of the church looked at it and said, this isn't even named among us. <laughs> we wouldn't even do those kind of things. And Paul said to withdraw from them. Deliver that person to Satan. Why? To save his soul. That was the purpose. It wasn't punishment, but it was to save their soul. Help them to see the seriousness of what they are doing. So Paul was upset when he saw what was taking place at the church at Corinth. And he wanted it to change. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we see another problem where they're letting the least qualified lead in the church. Beginning in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law against the unjust, and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things are that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. They had a problem. Brethren had problems with each other. And instead of allowing the church, the leadership of the church to deal with that problem, they were willing to go somewhere else and let them take care of the problem. And Paul is telling us that we need to allow those that are in leadership to be those that are qualified to be in that position. And I think that that's really one of the points that we can get out of that. Because we need to understand that God gave qualifications for elders and deacons and preachers, and we need to live up to that standard. And when we fail to live up to that standard, when we fail to live up to that qualification then guess what? There's going to be problems. And so we need to understand that those qualifications are there for a reason, and God wants us to understand that. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and down through chapter 14, 
We can see that one of the problems is uh, the assemblies that they had. Their assemblies lacked purpose, they lacked order, and of a having a, a, a loving worship. In 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, verse 17, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise ye not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. And down at verse 27, he says, Wherefore, whether ye shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the body or the Lord's body. Here, when they came together, it wasn't for the right purpose to worship God. They were coming with other ideas in their mind. They were fighting among themselves. They had division. One uh, thought one gift was better than the gift that someone else had. And Paul is condemning that. And I think that that's for the uh, purpose of 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter, to show that love is what's the most important thing. And the question is, do we have love like we should? And that love is even demonstrated in the fact that we come together to remember the Lord's death. And when we assemble on the first day of the week, that is one of the purposes that we come together for, is to remember what Jesus died on the cross for. And we are to remember His death until He comes again. And so we remember the suffering that He took place, that took place on that cross, the agony that He went through up until that point, and then the death that He died on that cross. And all of that is done for our sins. And Jesus instituted that memorial for us to come together to remember what He did on that cross. You know, it's kind of like what I said this morning about the children of Israel. When Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you will serve, I mentioned this morning that you would think that with all the things that God had done for Israel over the course of time that Joshua wouldn't even have had to say that. That the choice would have already been made. And you would think that Christ would realize, or we would realize, of what Christ did for us. And we wouldn't need to be reminded every first day of the week. But Christ realizes what the human mind is like, that we easily forget. And so He instituted that, that memorial so that you and I would be conscious of His death every week. And every day of the week is what He wants us to think about. What He's gone through so that you could have salvation. Sin separates us from God. Sin causes us to be lost. We deserve hell. But God, because of His love, as we've seen this morning, has gone to great lengths so that you and I could be redeemed, so that we could have our sins forgiven. And part of that is the death that Jesus died on the cross. And as we partake of that Lord's Supper, I'm not to be examining brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I'm supposed to be examining myself, that I partake of it in a worthy manner. Oh, none of us are worthy of it, but I'm taking, I'm looking at myself and thinking of what Christ has done for me. 
so that I can have the forgiveness of sin. And I remember that sacrifice. And so that should be conscious in our mind while we're here on Sunday as we're singing praises, as we're praying, as we're listening to God's Word, as we're giving back of our means. We center our minds on Christ. We center our minds on God and all that they have done for us. And then last tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul was upset because they failed to accept responsibility. In chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, it says, For as a body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the ear, I I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where then the smelling? But now have God set the members, <clears throat> every one of them, in the body as, he, as it hath pleased Him. We look at our human body and we understand that there's many different parts of our body and that it all functions together, that it all works together. But as I mentioned from time to time, that this body, if I want to walk out that door, this body has to function all together. <clears throat> the mind may give the signal, but it makes the hands do whatever it has to do in order to help me to keep my balance. It makes my feet go one in front of the other to get me out there. The knees, the legs, the thighs, everything has to do its part. And Paul is pointing out that as Christians, we all have a responsibility. Every one of us has a part in this body that is the body of Christ. You and I both have something that we need to do. You may have different talents than I have. I may be able to do things that you can't. But we need to understand we all have responsibilities and we all need to do what God wants us to do. You think about your body, if everything was a hand, how would you get to that door? How would you do some of the things that you need to do? And and I've said this many times, I'm just amazed at what this hand can do. And every time I bring in the groceries, I'm amazed at what all this hand can do. Carrying bags, opening gates, opening the door, unlocking it, getting the key out of my pocket, and the key's always in the wrong pocket. But this hand, these hands can get all of that out and do it all. It can do multiple things at the same time. That's God's creation. And guess what? We can do multiple things at the same time. Why? Because the body of Christ is the creation of God. And we need to take responsibility for it, for what our part is in that body. Corinth, or the church at Corinth, accepted their correction and made the necessary changes, as we see in the second letter that Paul writes. But how do you, as a Christian, respond to needed correction in your own life? It's easy to blame someone else. It's easy to put the blame some in, in some other group or some other person, but we're responsible for ourselves. As I said in our sermon this morning, we have a choice. Just like Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a choice that we have to make.
You have a choice to make today. Do you want to serve God? When you see the changes that you need to make, don't overlook it. Don't say, I'm just human. I hear that quite often. You know, I'm just human and that's just the way I am. Well, that may not be the way God wants you to be. And so you need to make changes. So tonight, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to become one. Jesus died for our sins so that we could have the hope of eternal life. And He tells us that we need to believe and be baptized in order to be saved. And you can do that tonight. Be buried with our Lord in baptism. And when, and when we baptize, we baptize just like they did in the first century, like we read about in the New Testament. We go down into the water and we come up out of that water. We bury that individual in that watery grave. And we don't make an appointment for doing it next week or next uh, month or some other time. We do it immediately, just like they did on the day of Pentecost and just like they did with the Ethiopian eunuch and just like they did with the jailer and many other examples that we see in the Bible. So tonight, if you need to respond to the invitation by being buried with our Lord in baptism, we can do that. But maybe you haven't lived as you should. You need our prayers. You need our help. Have sin that you need to confess, then we're here to help in that area also. And you have that opportunity to come and have a seat up here on the front row. Always stand and sing.